Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman, where the T stands for Transfer Portal. Here on Super Talk Mississippi, we appreciate you guys tuning in uh, at supertalk.fm or wherever podcasts are found. Appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. They'd like to transfer some uh, some coffee into your hand for a small nominal fee. So why don't you head over there today? Nasty, rainy day here in Starkville. Perfect for an, a piping hot drink from Strange Brew. I know for a fact that as soon as we get done recording, Joel T. Coleman Ooh. is headed over to Strange Brew. Digging into the portal to see if there's any uh, blueberry cobbler. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, we might, we might, we might find out about that. We'll, we'll report on that breaking news as it happens. <laughs> I want to thank our good friends over at College Corner. Guys, this weekend and, and every weekend, if you're trying to make your house look like a Mississippi State fan lives there, they've got all of everything you need to decorate not only your house, but yourself. The biggest and best selection of Mississippi State merchandise. If you're having a watch party, they've got everything you need to put out there to make it feel like you're right there in the middle of the junction. So give them a call. No, I'm sorry, don't give them a call. Go buy one of their two locations. In uh, Jackson, in the Jackson area, Ridgeland by the, by Fleet Feet, Flowwood there by the Half Shell, or shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Advantage Business Systems wants your business working for you at full capacity. You don't need to be bogged down by inefficiency, by by outdated uh, technology. That's what Advantage Business Systems does for you. They bring everything up to speed, and they have you working at your peak. So why don't you give them a call today and find out how they can put 45 years of experience working in this state to work for you. 844-833-6245, or visit them online at absms.com to find out how Advantage Business Systems can help your business do business. Some business getting done at Mississippi State. Indeed it is. Uh, A lot of it. Less people now around to conduct business on Saturdays. <laughs> that's, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, three more into the portal uh, since we last spoke. Uh, those players are, or I guess they're not technically in the portal yet, but they're headed that way. But Tyrell, they have been confirmed as gone. They're gone. Tyree, Tyrell Shavers, the uh, grad transfer junior from Alabama. Uh, true freshman Jamari Stewart and junior college transfer Trey Lawson. They're out at Mississippi State. That brings this week's total to six, and we're getting close to 20, I want to say. Add Schrader at seven. Schrader at seven. Go, if you want to go all the way back to Jaron Jones. Jaron Jones and Fabian Lovett. Uh, a few others have gone since then. To Keaton Thompson. Yeah. You know. Brevin Jones. Uh, Brevin Jones. Uh, there's, a couple, there's at least one or two more. So I agree with what you said yesterday, that had we had a spring this would have happened in the spring. Some of this, and would it have wouldn't happened. feel as weird. Yep. But as it is, it it does, it does feel, feel weird. weird because it's it's all this mid season stuff coming off of a bye week, coming off of Leach talking about wanting to purge things a few weeks ago. We haven't kind of counted Kylan Hill in that discussion yet. Either. No. Uh, Hill 
Today, Leach said, I, I don't know. I heard that he opted out. So I hadn't talked to him. That is not a confirmation that he opted out, just that that's what he heard. Well, that's what we all heard if you were on Twitter yesterday. Well, if – look, if Mike Leach hadn't heard from Kylan Hill, means Kylan Hill isn't practicing. Um, it means that there is no contact between the head coach, who is also the offensive coordinator, and the star offensive player – He's not on the team right now, basically. Right. I mean, he's on the roster, but he is not around the team or nothing. Yeah. And so, I mean, writing's on the wall here, isn't it? Yeah. I, I said today, I was on a, on JOXFM over in Birmingham, I don't expect Kylan Hill to ever play for Mississippi State again. I said it on Super Talk. We're saying it here on this podcast. I mean, Mike Leach doesn't expect Kylan Hill ever. I will be shocked if Kylan Hill ever carries the ball in maroon and white again. Unless you're counting what the Washington football team wears, which I believe is burgundy, but it's close enough. <laughs> that's it, though. So that's where we are. Uh, you know, Mississippi State is experiencing a lot of transition. This is what I think. If you would, you know, if you if you really paid attention to Mike Leach's career, this is how he he operates. You know, in with the out with the bad, in with the good. And he has the, an advantage this time around because when he took over at Washington State and when he took over at uh, Texas Tech, the transfer portal and the ease of transfers, and now apparently you know we're not far off from the one-year or the one-time transfer exemption coming through, Mississippi State could easily replenish its roster with, with players that fit what Mike, Lee want, Mike Leach wants to do in a little bit better way or fits the the – mindset, I guess I'll say, of a player that Mike Leach wants to have. Make no mistake about it. Jalen Maine and Garrett Trader left because of playing time. Yes. They're quarterbacks who were not going to play under Mike Leach. They saw the writing on the wall. Everybody else, when you read between the lines, I don't know so much as they were leaving as they were they were they were they were sent out. I mean, you didn't really have to read between too many lines in what in what Mike Leach said on, on Wednesday in that I'm not going to, you know, sit here and tag specific players to specific things, but you don't have to read between the lines to see there were some guys not that were breaking rules. Right. I mean, bottom line, a lot of these guys did not adhere to the Mike Leach rule set, and so see you later. Um, and I'll tell you what, back in January or so, when he was hired, there was a lot of celebrating that, all right, here's Mike Leach, the Pirates in town, the Sheriff is in town, hallelujah, we got discipline in the Mississippi State football program. But then. But then, when that discipline gets put into action, it's, oh no, what are we doing? Like, you can't have it both ways. Right. And I've always said this, a a truly great coach gets guys to buy in so that, you know, you don't have this kind of thing. So, maybe, you know, maybe I'm being a little hypocritical here, but, and I, and I, I won't come out and tell you that I expected this amount of attrition at this point. Maybe after the season, sure. But, because I still think there's more to come. I agree with what Mike Leach said. He said in the press conference, or in the teleconference, Brace sorry, yourself. the telepresser, that <laughs> that there's more to come. I mean, right off the top of my head, Powers Warren, Jaquavius Spivey, Brad Compass. They have no role. They've tried to, to figure some things out, but it's not working. They're going to go. I believe there's three more right off the top of my head. At least, you know, a few more guys will probably go. So At least Cumbus has baseball, maybe. Cumbus will probably stay at Mississippi State to play baseball. Spivey and, and Warren will go elsewhere. Um, I mean, that's just me guessing, but I, I feel like it's an educated guess. I feel like I'm not just spitballing there when I say that. I mean, if they want significant playing time, that seems right, very... Yeah. If they're just thrilled being at Mississippi State, you know, whatever. Uh, 
Or if they're more open to a position. I mean, a guy like Spivey's a good enough athlete. If you want to move him to defense, he might be up for that. But I don't know if he's up for that. Um, so I won't say that I've expected all this. I won't say that I expected you know this amount of attrition at this, especially at this time. But I knew that there was some some was to come, and I know that any time a coach or, or an administrator is talking about discipline and things like that, these kind of things are just going to happen. And I've seen a lot of these comparisons, and my my eye twitches every time. Like this is just like the beginning of the Croom days. The difference is Mike Leach has a twenty year track record in college football of winning. Sylvester Croom had that not at all. Mike Leach has a 20-year track record doing it this way. Doing it. This is his way. It's worked for him at both stops. Both programs were immediately, well, not immediately, but they, they were elevated in a quick fashion. And they, they have not, well, I can't speak for Washington State, but Texas Tech has not ever been as good since Mike Leach left than it was while he was there. Yeah. So it really is something to see how quick people have turned. And I get that. I get part of that because I I get that you see bad offense and immediately your mind goes back to Croom. Trust me when I say I get it. And the MSU marketing department tweeting Maroon is all that matters didn't help anybody on that. But this is this is to, this is like, you know, hiring if you hired a CEO to turn your business around who had no experience versus you hired a CEO with 20 years of experience. You know, and there might be some some rocky roads at the beginning, but you got to trust that guy with the track record to get things done. Again, far be it for me to get away too from my brand and be positive here, but I don't think it's going to be an issue for Mississippi State going forward because you can replenish with the transfer portal. You'll continue to recruit. Everybody having the extra year of eligibility means some guys might make some decisions to come back, and, and that might help you out last year. There's been a lot of smoke that Darian Parker might consider another year on campus. Uh, that would be a big thing for Mississippi State. He's been a good player. you know. Maybe a couple other guys like that. I don't think Errol Thompson is one of those guys, but you just don't ever know. So the roster will work itself out, and in reality, the extra uh, guys leaving and the extra you know eligibility has sort of allowed MSU to circumvent some NCAA violations here. State's supposed to be at 83, but then the seniors aren't going to count against that. So you can go over. So I, I don't think, you know, I've seen people tell me, oh, you're only going to have 50 players. That's not going to be the case. The transfer portal is going to be full of guys who are like, yeah, I'd like to play in the SEC. I can play in the SEC, and I can get that job done. Absolutely. And, look, I, I think a lot of the problem right now is three-pronged. Everybody's kind of in a bad mood, tired of coronavirus election season and everything else. Everybody's just in a bad mood anyway. You compound that with the fact that Mississippi State's one and three and look like crap in the last three games, so they're in a bad mood with that. And then here come the here comes the purge. Um, and thing is, this purge, these guys that are leaving. I mean, if State was four and zero, they may still be leaving. I don't. That's yeah. that, that's a great point, though. Is is this happening because State is losing? No, I don't think it is. I mean, these guys. Can you imagine if State was four and zero, and these and these guys were dumping out? Though that would be a really weird story. Outside of Shavers, who are who are they losing that you thought oh, would be wrong. a major contributor wrong. this season? Schrader is one that not a major contributor, but that's that's a that's a loss that I would never have predicted. You know, twelve months ago. Um, I mean, I get what you're saying. Don't get me wrong, but it would don't you you know that it would be a lot of what is going losing and people leaving. You know, you can make a little bit more sense of it. If you're winning and people are leaving, that that's a real what the hell is going on kind of moment there. Yeah. But I mean, again though, 
I don't think some of these are people wanting to leave. It's people that don't have the option to stay. So, I, would they have been given the option to stay just because State was winning if they were winning? I don't necessarily think so because Mike Leach has always been stick to his guns, particularly on his three big points that he's always kind of had. Um, that said, I'm not reporting that these guys broke those three points, but it kind of seems like a situation where they knew full well what the expectation was, didn't meet it, and some guys were waved bye-bye, right. and they don't have the opportunity to come back. But, I agree. But I also I don't know if it would have changed if they were 4-0 or not, but yeah. you kind of think if, if Mike Leach is a stick to the guns, as I've always perceived him to be and been told that he was, it's not because they're one and three. It's because right, yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens over these next few weeks. You know, don't just just get used to it. So, what I would say is this: that that I don't think anybody that's a real difference maker is going to be set free on this one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of everybody that's left, yeah, Jerry and Jones and Lovett would have played, but let's 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 focus on this this most recent group here. I mean, Schrader and Maiden were never going to play. Nick Penley, I like Nick Penley, but I, th- I do think he fits a run-first offense better. I think he's a good player, but I don't know that he would have fit in here. Uh, Jamari Stewart, I never saw the guy play. Trey Lawson, never really saw the guy play. Kareem Walker was never going to play. <laughs> Made that point clear a few times on this show. So, you know, you haven't really lost anything. And I expect, you know, like I said, come, come the offseason, some guys are going to make decisions. And I say if you if you look at a player who is in his third year or, or later at a program like Mississippi State that doesn't have incredible depth, and that guy's not a contributor, it's time to go because you can't play. Our good friend and host Steve Robertson always says the same thing, right? It's it's not who you it's not who you don't sign, it's who you sign and can't play that kills your program. If you're carrying ten guys on scholarship who aren't contributors, they have to go. You know, you can't have that. Yeah. So you look at the roster, look at the roster right now, and tell me who is not playing that's a sophomore, about to be a junior. You can probably put a line through those guys' names and do your own research on that. So don't be surprised when there's more guys to come, and then don't be surprised when State goes and signs a full class to bring them up to you know whatever, and then goes out and gets four or five, maybe six transfers this offseason. And, and you know I would expect quarterback to be one of those. Because you don't really want to go in with, I mean, next year, Rodgers, Robertson, and Greek, that's, that's a bunch of freshmen. You don't want to do that. Um, even if Rodgers finishes out the year, you'd like to have a little bit of experience back behind him. You know, they're probably going to try to find another receiver or two, you know, because even though the, I think Neighbors and Knox and Buck, Burkhalter and Moore are a good starting group, if you could go find a junior who's got some playing experience and, and can fit what you want to do, you're going to go do that. They're definitely going to look at a couple of offensive linemen, they'll definitely look at some defensive players. And they'll figure it out from there. So, just this is going to be part of the process, you know. And it just—it's a little surprising, but it is what it is, I guess. At the end of the day, huh? to quote our good friend Rick Stansberry. All right, let's move on into our interview today. Talk—we'll talk a little bit about Alabama right now, and that's with our good friend Brett Hudson from the Tuscaloosa News. And of course, that's brought to you by our good friends at Welcome Home Beef. Who, if you listen to this interview, Brett Hudson wants some Welcome Home Beef. I'll see if we can't make that happen for him. I might ship him a steak or two. If anybody needs a steak, it's a father of twin twin girl baby girls. Yeah, no doubt about he, that. He needs. I can't he, imagine having two two newborns. Yeah, it's it's rough. That's rough times. So what's not rough is getting your your steak 
and your meat from Welcome Home Beef. They make it easy for you. Go to the website, welcomehomebeef.com. Call them at 662-268-8148. Visit them at their University Drive location. Seek out the food truck and get them to cook it there for you. A lot of options. All of them are delicious. Steaks, burgers, roast, ribs, brisket, anything off the cow. I don't know if you can get the face or not. People eat that, by the way. Cow face. Make tacos out of it. You ever eaten one? No. I don't know that I would either, to be totally honest. A cow face taco? I did the cheeks the other day. Or I guess I should say a couple months ago now. <laughs> Everything's the other day in 2020. You know? And you know what's big? The lengua. The tongue. People love that. I don't know. I've never tried it. I couldn't eat it because of what it is. If I, It's one of those things that they say, if you ate it, and I didn't tell you, if I said, hey, this is a beef taco. Yeah. And you just ate it, you're like, this is delicious. It's tongue. You know? Yeah. Well, there's no telling what I've eaten in hot dogs and stuff through the Buddy, years. Buddy, so. we don't even want to go down that road. So keep it simple. Keep it with Welcome Home Beef. Call them today. And remember, whether they cook it or you cook it, one thing's for sure. It just tastes good. Let's go to our interview now with Brett Hudson on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, my good friend Brett Hudson from the Tuscaloosa News. That's all the intro you're going to get because you don't deserve any more than that. <laughs> That's fair. I hope I at least deserve some, some meat from, from Welcome Home Beef. I see all the stuff on your on your Twitter. I feel like I, I, I need some. So I, I'll, I'll live with the lackluster introduction if I'm getting some, some quality meats out of the beef. I think we can try to make that happen for you. Real quick right. question. Do you have a co-pilot with you today? No, they are in daycare now, so okay. I am uh, I am unencumbered by baby at the moment. Okay, that's good news. That's good news. Uh, let's get into it. This Alabama team, we talked about them back during the summer. We both knew they were going to be really, really good. They've been really, really good. Has anything surprised you about them, though? Uh, I thought I would get more progression out of the defense. I thought the defense would be a little bit better than it has been. Uh, and I think people locally are, are kind of encouraged by the Tennessee game and in the second half of the Georgia game. Uh, but those are two offenses that aren't really built to, to test the modern excellent defense based on how they operate and the kind of traditional methods they use and the, the lack of up-tempo they use, whereas uh, Mike Leach's system is, is both a little more forward thinking and how it tests the modern defense and it has a little more of a tempo element to it so um i thought the defense would be a little bit better uh the, the old miss game where they gave up like 600 something yards to, to lane kiffin and, and almost lost that game and in, in oxford i think that was a little worse than what this defense actually is and i think the last six quarters are a little bit better than what this defense actually is. I think they're, they're somewhere in between, but I thought they would be better than what they have been to date because they've returned so many pieces. The coaching staff was relatively intact. They got their leader back in Dylan Moses at inside linebacker. They got LeBron Ray back from injury. Everything was kind of pointing to this, this defense being better than it has been to date and it, it hasn't been. When Najee Harris isn't busy running in two-yard touchdown runs, he's been one of the better <laughs> better uh, running backs in the SEC, as, as you would expect. State's been really good against the run this year. You know, How do you like that matchup for, for both sides? Uh, it definitely intrigues me. I think I was pretty adamant coming into the season that Alabama has the best offensive line in the country. And I, I'm not saying they haven't been that, but I think I expected more of them, especially in the – in the run game. They haven't been uh, as explosive in, in the run game as I thought they would be to kind of 
mentioned the, the Twitter idiot you're, you're referencing there. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this matchup because they had a run game. It's never been totally taken away from them. They haven't put up a, a stinker where they're averaging like two yards per carry or something, but they haven't been consistently averaging four and a half yards per carry in a, in a game. So if I'm, I'm kind of waiting for someone to completely take that away from, from Alabama because it, it's not easy to put up the numbers that Matt Jones and his passing attack have put up on recent games, but it, it definitely helps to have something of a run game to support that, that pass game. And, and Alabama has that. They haven't had an elite run game, but they've had enough of a run game to kind of force teams to respect all aspects of the RPO and, and, and toy with opposing defenses that way. So I, I, was, I don't want to say I was hoping Georgia would take away Bama's run game because that's not really how we do things in this industry, but I, I keep hoping someone will do it because I want to see how this offense reacts to it. I want to see how Matt Jones and, and these receivers adjust if someone is able to take away Alabama's run game completely. Uh, I wouldn't mind Mississippi State being the team to do it just because I, I want to see it. Like, Najee Harris can be the touchdown poacher and, and capitalize on these two-yard touchdown runs and, and all that, but he's also been effective enough in all other aspects of, of the field to, to make defending this offense more or less impossible. So the, the matchup itself should be one of the better ones that Bama's faced this year. Yes, Georgia's immensely talented everywhere on their, on their defense, but statistically Mississippi State and Georgia have been pretty comparable if Mississippi State hasn't been a little bit better against the pass. Granted, Georgia State, Bama, and Mississippi State have not, so those, those numbers could change this time next week. But I'm, I'm curious to see the matchup because I think there's at least a statistical case to be made that this is the, the best defense Alabama has faced this year. And if State is able to stand up and pass better than Georgia did, it's probably going to be that way through the rest of the regular season, because I don't know that there's a defense on Bama's schedule left that has done what Mississippi State has to this point. I'm going to, you're going to enjoy my next question. Tell me about Slade Bolden. Yeah! Slade Jack, baby! Um, a, a white slot wide receiver. I'm sure you're surprised to hear that. Um, but he, jokes aside, he's immensely talented. Like he's, he's someone who came up in West Monroe High School in Louisiana that was an I-formation veer team, like the oldest school of old schools. The fullback was the feature player in an I-form veer offense. And then Slade Bolden shows up, and all of a sudden they're running shotgun inside zone reads and shotgun power reads because they have this incredible talent they have to do something with. And they line them up at wide receiver. They line them up at tailback and they do everything with it, and Alabama looks at him and sees a slot receiver. They see someone who's quick out of the break, who's obviously got good ball skills, um, and someone who can make people miss and in the open field. So they put him in a slot receiver, and he develops to the position, and now he's kind of thrust into the full-time duty a little bit earlier than he would have anticipated. He, I think we all expected Jalen Waddle to, to ball out for this season, go make a bunch of money in the NFL, and then Slade takes over for him to start the 2021 season, but now Slade is kind of thrown into the fire midway through the, the season. Um, I think the thing that interests me most is how he's developed to the intricacies of the wide receiver position, because we know he's an, he's an excellent athlete, and we know he's experienced, because he's 
He got some experience as a Wildcat quarterback last year, even through pass last year, and he's got some garbage time reps to a wide receiver. But has he fully developed his athleticism to the skill set required of a slot receiver? Uh, he had six catches for 94 yards against Tennessee, so that was a promising early return, but there are going to be more difficult challenges for, for him in the regular season to come. Mississippi State, obviously, being on that that list. So he's he's a heck of an athlete, but has he developed that athleticism into being a well-rounded technician of a of a slot receiver? I, I imagine this game on Saturday is going to be the, a very important first step to finding out that answer. Any chance uh, Nick Saban does MSU fans a favor and runs exclusively man coverage on uh, on Saturday? <laughs> that is that is a little bit of their MO, right? Kind yeah. of blending the, the man and zone principles with a little bit of a pattern matching and stuff like that. But no, uh, Nick Saban was, was asked about it Monday. He is well aware of the strange tendency early on in Leach's Mississippi State tenure to be uh, flummoxed by zone. He is very well aware of that. And they have zone in their defense, obviously. They don't like to run a ton of it. They they, they tend to be more in-your-face press coverage guys as they have been for pretty much all of Saban's tenure here. Um, but they are definitely aware of the fact that the zone seems to have flummoxed Mississippi State thus far, and, and they'll, they'll turn to that if they if they have to, the only problem with that is there are some certain spots in the secondary that are a little inexperienced. So when it comes to playing zone and the communication they're in, that could get a little hairy at times. Because they, if you take the dime package, which you're probably going to be in a lot with with Mississippi State, right? They feels pretty good about their two corners. They feel pretty good about their nickel slot guy, and they feel pretty good about one of their deep safeties. The other deep safety and the dime. Slot guy, those have been kind of uh, merry-go-rounds, I guess, throughout the course of the season. They've had trouble finding solid answers at those two positions. So if you're forcing those guys to be on the field on every snap, which I'd imagine Mississippi State was going to to do that with, with an air raid style attack, and when you're forcing those guys to communicate and make post-snap decisions based on what their responsibility is and zone coverage, I can see where that could get a little hairy at times. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to have any delusions of grandeur and say that State could win. How can State stay in the game on Saturday? Because you know, I watched the Ole Miss game and I saw that Alabama is. You know, you can hit them for some things defensively. How can State stay in the game? I think they're going to cover. I think State's defense is is good enough to make life difficult for for Alabama. Now, this this offense is going to get theirs. Like I don't know that that anyone in the nation is going to hold Bama to fewer. There's 35 points this year. That's just how good this offense is. Like, uh, unless all the other starters get hurt and are out for the year, I find it hard to believe that anyone's going to hold Bama under 35 this year. But it's, it's like you said, there there is room for explosive plays on this Alabama defense if you're challenging them the right way, specifically with with tempo and combining that with some modern uh, schematic advancements. I guess. Um, so I, I think Mississippi State's going to cover because the, the defense is good enough to not let Bama go out there and put 56 points on the board, and the offense can respond to that by challenging Alabama in some, in some aspects that they, they struggled with this year. So I, I think both of those can combine for maybe a, a final score in the 
low 40s to low 20s, maybe, maybe mid 40s to low 20s, which with the number in the 31 range, I think that that's good enough to cover. Take it to the bank. All right. I hope there's a decent pregame meal. These, you know, the lack of buffets has been getting to me this this season, as you can probably probably imagine. So. Looking forward to seeing you <laughs> on Saturday up there in the press box. Brett Hudson from the Tuscaloosa News, man. Thanks for much, thanks so much for joining me. Now, are you not going to have, like, Dreamland or something on a, on a Tuscaloosa trip? I figured you'd have something outside the box. Well, I mean, the timing is bad. You know, the, 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 That's it, true. we're getting there, like, right after lunch, and, you know, then it, by the time the game's over, no, there's no place to go for dinner. We'll make it work. That's though. true. So, yeah. All, right. All right. I'll see you Saturday. See you Saturday. So, Joel, two weeks ago, uh, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Isaiah Spiller did have some success running the football. I would expect Najee Harris to have similar success, uh, close to 100 yards. But it wasn't anything out of control. Hmm. Mississippi State did a pretty good job of limiting Texas A&M. This is a much more efficient and and explosive and elite offense uh, they're dealing with. What's a win for Mississippi State for you in terms of total yards and points in this game? Ah... Keep Alabama under thirty-five. Yeah, that kind of sounds about right. And, um, maybe keep them under, keep them under four fifty. Is that too much? No, that's a, that's a reasonable number, I think. Uh, given who you're playing, and particularly if your offense isn't moving the football and you're not getting first downs and your defense is out there a lot, I think that's that's a pretty good scenario. Um, I don't know. Uh, this is one of those games where afterwards you may look at the stats and you might think the defense didn't play so well, but when you watched it, maybe they kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on how much they're out there. and um, it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, if, I think if you leave Tuscaloosa and your defense only gave up 35 points and 450 or so yards of total offense, you could still pat yourself on the back and be like, look, did the best, and that's regardless campaign. what the offense. Does. I know Zach Arnett thirty-five. Would, Zach Arnett would kill me. If oh yeah, you heard me say something like yeah. that. But yeah, no, I agree. Just I objectively, agree. that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I mean, if State loses thirty-five, nothing. I mean, I feel like that's a win for the defense because you got nothing out of your offense and yeah. you're still able to hold that elite defense, elite offense, to under forty points. That you did better than Georgia did, and Georgia moved the football and and, and kept the ball and had some possession. So yeah, I think that that would be a good thing. The other side of the coin. What's a win for Mississippi State on offense in this game? 14, 14 points. They can get two. They can get. <laughs> Joel and I just accidentally touched feet. And it, it just drove. There's that moment where he's like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, 14 points. String together a couple of drives. Look, even if you have a drive that you don't get anything out of in the in the red zone, miss field goal, or just you go forward on fourth and don't get it. Just moving the football. Or phantom pass interference or. Like it was a block in the block back. In the back. That's get, what it, was. get it right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, something like that, which I would fully expect. But <laughs> something along those lines, just if at the end of the day, you're around 300 yards of offense and you got a couple of touchdowns on the board, you can walk out of there saying, we can beat Vanderbilt, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Missouri. <laughs> this is such a game where, look, I mean, yeah, you'd love to win the game and shock the world. But. Odds are that's there's no right. prayer of that happening. So this is a game where the score almost doesn't matter, kind of deal. It's all about look. What does right. it look like? It's 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 similar to me to uh, the state's game in 2016, where 
They needed they, they you knew that the last two games of the year were Arkansas and Ole Miss. Those were winnable games. I say they ended up not beating Arkansas, but that's beside the point. You knew you were going to lose to Alabama. They were number one in the nation, and it was all about just like, can you just get through this game? Nobody gets hurt that's of any consequence, and you can move on to the two winnable games and, and go to a bowl game. That's what this game is. Stay relatively healthy. Try to put up a good effort, and then the real season starts November seventh. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I know that's not the, that's not the attitude that you tell your players if you're a coach. You don't say, "Hey, we're okay with losing." But I mean, realistically, that's what has to be the plan here. Like, just get something that makes you feel kind of good about yourself. Get through it healthy, and then kind of feel like going into that following week against uh, Vanderbilt. You know what? It's time to turn this season around, kind of thing. I agree. I mean, that's I all you can do. I think. No, no, you're not. You're definitely not wrong. Unless you do shock the world, and boy, howdy, what a things that are boy. true that'll be on Monday if that's the case. There you go. Or right. Sunday, I guess it'd Sunday, be Sunday. It would be on Sunday. All right. Uh, tomorrow's show, you know what it is? It's three P. So we'll get to that. We'll preview Mississippi State versus Alabama as the Bulldogs uh, look to figure some things out. As as do Joel and I. <laughs> as this as cra- does Mike Leach, apparently. As this crazy week uh, will finally come to an end. Talk to you guys on Friday. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.